Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I felt bad Saturday for Indiana. No, really, because I only was able to watch the last oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have seen the whole 40 minutes. You know what? I don't want to know how I want to know how to win the Big Ten. I want to know how to stay the If I, they get there, what are you talking about? Well, okay, you're telling me that team that played last no, night. No, no, not that team, no. Okay, I just, what if I want Indiana to win? No, you don't. No, no you don't. You don't want Indiana to win on Saturday. You, you and I, I will. You and I will both have our challenges. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning, Mr. Spielman. Good morning, sir. Um, <laughs> you and I will both have a spiritual toughness test yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> yes, I is. from uh, noon to two. And you from what, 4.30 on? Yeah, 4.30 oh, on. Oh, the teams we prize the most, uh, my basketball Buckeyes and your Minnesota Vikings. I plan on relieving my stress throughout that game by being on the treadmill for the whole game. Walking shoes. You'll have your walking shoes on. Yeah, I'm just going to just keep walking. And uh, it depends. If they're getting blown out, then I'll turn it off. And Yeah. Put on Homeland or something. I got a feeling about Kirk Cousins. Could we be? Could Kirk Cousins be the Joe Flacco of the 2020, 2019, I think a lot of things. A lot of things have to go right for Minnesota to win. I mean, San Francisco, as you know, I've been singing their praises for quite a while. Yes, you have. And I've yes, been. You have Kyle Shanahan's praise. Been berated many times amongst. <laughs> Uh, NFL fans and a lot of San Francisco 49er fans who kept saying fire Lynch and fire Shanahan after last year. That would have been it was a bad unbelievable. Move. It would have been a bad move. And if you could just see this team coming, mm-hmm. and, and and you know you needed a healthy quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing at a really high level. Jimmy is also perfectly capable of making a lot of poor choices and poor decisions and making bad throws. And that's he, a defense that can get that yeah. out of you, that Vikings defense. Well, that's what my, um, Mike Zimmer is, uh, had a great game plan against New Orleans Saints. In fact, that game I'll plan say. might have drove uh, Drew Brees into retirement as we wait word on that. When you hold Alvin Kamara to uh, – is it Kamara Kamara? Kamara. Thank you. Tomato, tomato. 55 total yards? Yeah. And Michael Thomas, even though he had eight catches, they were largely inconsequential in the game. That's yeah. a very difficult New Orleans Saints offense to stop. The Vikings did it. Yeah, they did. And Harrison Smith is a player, man. That Harrison State. Smith, Anthony Barr, I'll tell you who finally played uh, that's been having a rough season up and down has been um, Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. He finally played well. And the Vikings are doing it with their two two of their corners are down. I mean, important guys. Guy by Michael Hughes, who's also a return guy in the rotation, and Mackenzie Alexander. So we'll see. it's a challenge for them. Adam Thielen is questionable. Adam Thielen uh, had a, suffered a, a horrific uh, injury, one that hopefully won't keep him out of the game, but I guess uh, a spike caught him just above the Achilles tendon area. Mm. And you could actually, it punctured through the skin. So it was uh, something that he has to deal with. Adam Thielen, if I have to predict, I know I looked yesterday, he was listed as questionable. But I think he'll play. And he's obviously a big part of that offense. He had a big game and made a huge catch by Cousins. Diggs was sick. You know, but it's playoff time. And I expect guys to play. And I expect guys to play well. Yes. We will uh, talk about the other games, which uh, I'll rely on your NFL expertise for that. As uh, this is the divisional round, we'll have our AFC and NFC championship games after this weekend. Who's our other Saturday game? The other Saturday is it Tennessee and Baltimore? I, uh, I believe it is. I'll uh, use. The, I believe uh, it's Tennessee and Baltimore, okay. and that's going to be a, a really physical game. Might be the shortest game in history. Yeah, because and, both uh, teams Tennessee the football. Tennessee won that game during a regular season, did they not? Yeah, they, well Tennessee and, shortened the game. I mean. Derrick Henry is a guy that we don't talk about a lot, but he's really the past two years is has been tremendous. I think he had 182 total yards last week. He's really physical. Their offensive line is good. They're getting tremendous play from uh, Tannehill, cast off from Miami, started yeah. at Miami, replaced Marcus Mariota. I think the one advantage, and you know, I, I don't want people to underestimate the importance of how uh, important it is for practice 
And when you have a guy like Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. who's very good at running the zone read and the type sure. of plays that Baltimore wants to run, I think this Tennessee defense will be well prepared. And also, look for Marcus Mariota to play a little bit because they might have some things of zone read type of stuff to challenge Baltimore. So, And it's Lamar Jackson's first test. I mean, ever since Lamar was named NFL MVP, what a great year he's had. Nobody's been able to slow him down. I thought a couple teams, the Browns did a nice job against him, have slowed him down a little bit, but he's playing at a very high level. So I'm I'm excited for that game because that, that's just going to be as physical as physical can get. So I think Mike will have a plan. And the whole thing about playing, and I was talking to Rick about this, about going on the road, mm-hmm. and we didn't do this when we made it to the NFC Championship game when I was a player in Washington. Um, we you played we, in Washington, yeah. Detroit at Washington. They threw a big first punch, and we had no response for it, and it just got downhill really fast. So, you just got to keep hanging in there and keep it close. Yeah, you have to keep it close on the road. When you're talking about the best eight teams in the NFL, you know you don't expect to go in there and be a road team and blow somebody out. What you want to do is keep it within striking distance. And there's going to be, I anticipate, in most of these games this weekend. There'll be seven to ten plays that decide each game. If you win a majority of those plays and you win the last ten minutes of the fourth quarter, you're going to win the football game. Yes, uh, you are correct. That is the nightcap, Tennessee and Baltimore. That's eight. Uh, like it'll be eight thirty, eight forty-five, and then on Sunday they get underway at three o five with your uh, Houston Texans, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, and then the game after that one, of course, will be at six forty, Seahawks. Packers. Isn't it exciting uh, for the NFL? You know, what drives the NFL? What drives, drives viewership? I mean, what drives viewership? Uh, say quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. So the NFL future is looking pretty good because you look yeah. at those three. Court, let's take a look at Young. Well, Cousins is only, what, 31? But you look at Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Deshaun right? Watson. Desha- and Deshaun Watson. Those yeah. are the – I mean – yeah. Those are the stars. Now, out of all those guys, those young guys, who do you take? Who would you take? I, I got okay. one that I would take without hesitation. Mahomes, Watson, Lamar Jackson, and who was the fourth one? Deshaun Watson. I said Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Um, I'm going to take Russell Wilson. Yeah, so am I. Okay. Take Russell. <laughs> I, I, no, actually, actually, Eddie. actually. I'm you taking take I'm, Lamar. No, 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 Lamar. no, no. I'm not. If I had my choice, yeah. just because Lamar had the best year and deserved the MVP doesn't mean, no. all right, I want this guy for my future. I actually go Mahomes. Now, I've had the benefit of meeting with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I've had the benefit of watching a lot of film on him and watching him play live numerous times. So that's that's a little advantage to me. Then Russell Wilson, then Lamar Jackson, then Deshaun Watson. Although Deshaun Watson... One thing you say about that dude, so he, he finds, a way finds a way to win. He won a national championship. Yeah. That play that he made last week was unbelievable. The reason that I wouldn't pick Deshaun Watson is just because the Texans don't do a very good job of protecting him. And uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world, so I don't know about his long-term longevity. What I like about Russell Wilson is kind of— He holds the ball a little of, bit, too. I just don't yeah. want to berate the offensive line or the protection. Uh, they gave up 62 sacks last year, I think 20 of those— could be counted on as a quarterback is responsible for that sack. This is not a quality that I would put in my top, you know, two or three with a quarterback, but I do think it's a quality that serves quarterbacks well, and Russell Wilson has it. it it's why I pick Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes. I think Russell Wilson has a more accurate awareness of his amazing. own limitations. I surprised you with that. I don't think you thought I was going to say that. I think Russell has a more accurate awareness of his own limitations. I exact, the quarterback yeah. who believes he can always do it is the quarterback that occasionally will get you into trouble. I actually 100% agree with you. I would say it differently because I was watching the um, Seahawks game last week, and I was thinking to myself, is there anybody that throws the ball better on a run? Than Russell Wilson, is there? Well, Mahomes does it well. Yeah, Mahomes does that, it well. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the fact how Aaron Rodgers does it well. But I'm going to his awareness of when to throw it, mm-hmm. when to run it, knowing how to protect himself. How many times does he escape trouble? 
during a, during a, a game. Lot. It's amazing yeah. the amount of yards. And, and I have a stat that I keep. I think I've talked to you about this before. If not, uh, it's one that um, I take uh, a lot of pride in because in, I don't hear a lot of other announcers keep it, but it's very important to me. It's uh, hidden yards or yards that are saved. And nobody saves more yards than Russell Wilson. And I was thinking as I was watching him play last week, I don't think there's a player that I admire more as far as putting the total package together, as far as intelligence Mm -hmm. and decision-making. I mean, if you think – we talked about Urban's criteria as a quarterback. Russell Wilson fits that criteria Better than anybody else. I would think if we were asked the Urban, if we asked him to do a study, I bet you he would have Russell Wilson as number one. He's just tremendous. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Competitor, leader, Everything. really good self-awareness. Really Great good, guy, Really too. good tangibles. Really good talent. You know, thrower, runner. Well, and guys believe in him, Yeah, right? they do. I they mean, do. they rally around him. They went through him. some things a few years ago where guys maybe didn't like him. He wasn't, I don't know what, enough, but... Uh, I think those guys are no longer there in Seattle, and they've transitioned. And one of the other things I like about Russell Wilson, I would say, is similar to Ben Roethlisberger and similar to Tom Brady. They, his franchise won a Super Bowl when he wasn't the guy with all the expectations on his shoulders, but right. he's improved and transitioned to the point where now all the expectations are on his shoulders, and he's able to handle it. Yeah. I, I think guys follow producers, and they look at Russell Wilson, and they understand – that if he's removed from that team, Ooh. that team is an 8-8 eight and eight team. Yeah. With him on that team, that team's a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. That's the difference, and that's why Russell Wilson is so important. And the exciting thing for NFL fans is all these guys that we're talking about are still in their 20s, and that's why I, I remember having this conversation with TV people they root for quarterbacks. They don't root for teams. They right. root for quarterbacks because they know that quarterbacks – are the driving force behind ratings and people watching. People tune in to watch Patrick Mahomes. Why do you think a guy like Baker Mayfield can get progressive commercials? Because he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback, and he had a good rookie year, and everybody was anticipating. Futures market. Yeah, they they were betting in a futures market, and it didn't happen for him. Maybe it'll happen next year. I'm hoping it does. If he gets a good coach, how's that segue for you? There we go. Perfect. So there you go. All right. Uh, we'll get right to that, the new coach for the Cleveland Browns, which has not been named yet, but certainly uh, looks like it's going to happen this weekend. First, though, a reminder, uh, 2020, maybe the year that you decide you're going to get in shape. You've resolved to do that, and the only thing holding you back is the cost of a membership to uh, Columbus's finest health club. Well, this is where the Spielman and Hooley podcast can help you, along with our friends at Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club. Go to spielmanandhooley.com and enter for the free couples membership to Premier at Sawmill. We will draw it uh, next week, either Monday or Wednesday. And I want to give you time to enter, so you just enter, and it's free, and you cannot be an existing Premier member, but you will get all the great classes, the two hours free childcare every time you go, all the machines, all the free weights, Awesome place, pool, indoor, outdoor. So, premiere at Sawmill. It's on Bethel near Sawmill Road, and it is a phenomenal place. So, go to SpielmanandHooley.com and enter. Uh, yes, today is being dubbed by Cleveland Browns fans, Spiels, as Happy Josh McDaniels Day. Jimmy Haslam's private jet, if it is not already, 8 is in in uh, New England Was or picked him up at, I don't know, 6 a.m. No, flew picked him, him up at 8 a.m. He's on his way. He's in route now. All right, he's it's like Santa now. Claus. You're like Santa Claus tracking like the kids do. Yeah. Have you ever taken a private jet? Yes. Aren't they the greatest? I've taken one. I've taken one. They're just the best. You just you just walk in. It's like going to somebody's house to catch a ride somewhere. You just walk in and the pilot goes, hey, are you my flight? To da, da, da? Yeah, I am. Okay, well, are you ready to go? Well, you you awesome. got that kind of money where you're no, flying I, privately I, now. I dovetailed onto uh, a former Buckeye <laughs> basketball player's money. He was going somewhere, and he, wanted, uh, he was allowing me to go along. Wow. That so was nice Nashville. of Nashville. It was just... Unbelievable! You're just you're upset. You're only going to Nashville. Like, like, why am I wasting this flight on was, a on a yeah. 45 minute flight? I was like, man, why didn't I do something different <laughs> like with my life professionally where I could do this more often? Why would I write and try to make a difference with my oh writing my skills? Goodness. That was amazing. So anyway, <laughs> Josh just got the Jimmy Haslam private jet treatment this yeah. morning. 
Um, I don't think it's a done deal. I think Jim Schwartz is really in this hunt, and I, I think Jim Schwartz. About that this week. That right, I told you, man. In there, yeah. Well, I I said that, and of course yeah. you poo poo it when I say it. No, I don't. But think when, I, I don't think I remember poo pooing. But when, <laughs> but when. When you get a text from somebody up in Cleveland. No, it wasn't from somebody in Cleveland. You think my sources are not reliable. What if my source was somebody close to Jim Schwartz? doesn't matter. You trust <laughs> okay. your source? I definitely trust him on this one, yes. He's not out of it, I would say that. He would... I. I do you trust Josh? No. <laughs> I don't. Why? Because he left, I left think the Colts at the Alder? I think he's flighty... I, the record of Belichick assistance is not good. Um, I don't. I don't trust him. I'd li- I don't trust him. I trust him in a sense that I think that he can handle Baker Mayfield. That's what might give him the edge. He's an offensive guy. I think he might be able to handle Baker Mayfield. And I, I'll tell you what. I mean, I've sat with this guy a number of times. Jim Schwartz is a no nonsense type of guy. And I don't know if he would put up with that. It'd be he would have an uphill battle in the beginning because I think people would feel like Jim Schwartz. Like, was he been a head coach just once or twice? He's been the a Lions. head coach. Yeah, he did a pretty good job he with did the a Lions. Good job he, with the Lions. He, you yes. know, remember he took over an own sixteen team and eventually got them to the yeah. to the playoffs. <laughs> All I remember about Jim Schwartz is Harbaugh's too arduous post-game handshake and Schwartz chasing him off the field. That's all I remember. Of Jim you gotta like that, right? Yeah, kind of. That's interesting. I though. actually liked Harbaugh's chestiness yeah. at that point. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. You gotta, you gotta like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I do. I mean, um, it keeps another it candidate that I read about this morning: Robert Sala, 49ers uh, yes. defensive coordinator. Now, here's the background on him. He's from Dearborn, Michigan. Mm-hmm. He can't. He's a, a football player in college at uh, Northern Michigan University. His father played. Father, uncle, somebody in the family. They all played college football. Michigan State. You know, here where anyway. Grew up in a football family. Uh, after college, became a financial analyst. Was making good money. Very, very bright guy. But told his brother, I hate what I'm doing. Uh, loves football. Missed the game. Went the proverbial route of the starving assistant coach. Grad assistant. This the quality control assistant. This, that, the other. Uh, landed, you know, on Brian Kelly's staff as a GA at uh, Central Central Michigan. Then he goes to the NFL and he hooks on with the Texans and ends in Seattle. And Richard Sherman says good things about him. Anyway, this guy has advanced to the point where he's advanced on merit. And Kyle Shanahan stuck with him as his defensive coordinator, even though the Niners, as we talked about earlier, struggled for a while. He's gotten a lot of run this year because he's animated on the sideline. Mm. Um, makes good TV. But... Uh, you've met with him, and tell me what you think. Yeah, first I mean, he, of all, he's a commanding presence. He's he's only animated when animation is warranted. Yeah, they do something for the well. most most part. He's really straight down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't not a lot of highs or not a lot of lows. I sat in his office for forty five minutes last year, and I wanted to hire the guy. I don't know what I would hire him for. Mm. But I wanted to hire the guy. He's just one of those guys that has a presence about him. Um, he looks you in the eyes when he talks. When you're, when you're talking to him, you don't feel like he feels obligated to be talking to you. Do, you. do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's genuinely interested in what you think. I mean, he actually asks, well, what do you think? What do you think about when we, when we do this? What do you mm-hmm. think about when we do that? And I th- his players love him and they respond to him. He can handle big egos and he does a good job of it now he's not like a hammer like um schwartz or i don't know what josh is i mean i think josh i i also said i josh will probably learn a lot of lessons from when he was a head coach at denver he'll probably be a better head coach a second time around I'd forgotten he started six and oh at yeah. denver yeah. then he went five and 17 fired late in his second year but uh look i think robert would be a safe choice. I don't know if the Browns are, is the best choice for Robert Sala. I'll tell you what you're going to get. He is a disciple through and through of Pete Carroll. That's who he is. That's his coaching style. The story I read was more Gus Bradley than Pete Carroll, but Gus Bradley and Pete Carroll obviously did great things together in Seattle. I'm talking about philosophy okay. of running a program 
Pete Carroll, which there's, I have no problem with. I was going to say, there's worse guys to emulate no, than no, Pete Carroll. No, that, but I, I agree. I, I think Pete Carroll, I, I love a lot of things, what Pete Carroll does and how he does it and the atmosphere that he creates. Also, I, the alignment that he created in Seattle. He came in there, he was the first hire. So the way Seattle did it, he was the guy, and then they right. were going to align everything behind Pete Carroll. Is it John Schneider? John Is that Schneider, his personnel guy, who does all the personnel and yeah. signs off but, on but it. But they're together, right? They're in there, and then they turned the roster over in a big way yeah. when they got there without losing, without well, they being hit, terrible. I mean, they hit the lottery on Russell Wilson. Yeah, they did. That's where you have to hit the lottery, yep. you know. And they did, and that's why they're always going to be in it. And uh, look, I. I don't. I, I like those three guys. I I don't know enough about Eric Bieniemy. I think the one thing that's a knock on Eric Bieniemy is that you know if you work for Andy Reid, Andy Reid runs the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you walk into his office, and his office is a beautiful mind. You know that movie with Russell Crowe with all those all the little notes on uh, the wall, all those sticky his, notes. That's his office. Is it really? And, and plays everywhere? Everywhere. I mean, really? everywhere. And Andy Reid calls all the offense, and I think because Matt Nagy had a little bit, had some success early last year, but struggled this year, and people are in Chicago are calling for Matt Nagy to give up play-calling duties, I think that's one of the questions. I know that I th- believe Eric Bieniemy was in Minnesota. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Maybe one time. Uh, but I hear nothing but good things from him. But I, the thought I heard Jimmy Haslam say that he wanted, early in this process, wanted to hire a head coach with NFL head coaching experience. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I almost am. Was it 100- coaching experience or head coaching experience? I thought it was head coaching experience I'm, I'm not positive you you can be right you can maybe it was coaching I don't know but definitely with NFL experience uh here's something about Sala that I thought was very interesting and this story comes and I tweeted this story this morning from John Nio of the Detroit News um Sala was I don't remember the exact particulars of it but the takeaway is what's important he was in Houston and he was given an opportunity I know what it was he was given an opportunity to move over to offense and most coaches who are young and up and coming would embrace that opportunity because that rounds out the resume. He realized that there was someone he knew or someone he liked who was talented and better for that. And that per- and so he brought it was a guy he'd work with at Central Michigan was Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Matt LaFleur who now the head coach of the Green, Green Bay, Bay Packers, Packers in yeah. his first year has him in the playoffs. I like that snippet because it tells me Robert Sala can identify yeah. coaching talent. That's a great point. A- absolutely. And I think people would line up to coach with Robert Sala. So it'd be, I, I would be happy with any of those three guys, to be honest with you. McDaniels I really would. makes me Schwartz second, is, Schwartz, second most nervous. Schwartz would make uh, – Schwartz would – He's going to rub people the wrong way. I don't think the fans and the players would give Jim Swartz a chance. That's the only my only uh, objection uh, to him. I, I, I would be careful about saying the players. I think the players, uh, the players want to win, and the players want to believe in somebody. So I think the players will give every coach every chance to succeed. One of the first. things that— one uh, Speaking of, of which, what did you think of—did you watch any of Joe Judge's press conference? I saw the— the snippet everybody's talking about where he said, you know, <laughs> look, but the thing I learned from Bill Belichick was don't sit in a meeting as an assistant coach and tell me what the player can't do. You tell me what he can do, and it's my job as a coach to figure out, yeah. okay, I know what he can do, so let's figure out a way to let him do that and help us, <laughs> yeah. which I love that. I wanted to make one note about um, Jim Schwartz and how I would – what I would tell Jim Schwartz, take a page from Mike Zimmer's book. I remember years ago – it's, it's just weird why I remember this, maybe because of Rick and because I'm invested in the Vikings because of you and Rick. But I was meeting I was meeting Dave Pash, your friend, at a Starbucks in Arizona to talk with him about uh, the book. And I was listening to a national radio show, and they had Mike Zimmer on. And they asked Mike Zimmer how he had won the players' respect in Minnesota when he went there. And he gave what I thought was a very interesting answer. He said, I didn't try to fool them that I was an expert in offense. 
He said, my expertise is in defense. Mm -hmm. And so I thought my best way of winning over the whole team was to stick, stay in my lane defensively. And if I won over the defense, those guys on defense would talk to the guys on offense right. and I would have their respect. And I thought, that's really perceptive to know what your strengths are, to know how players would perceive you if you tried to be something you weren't. Jim Swartz is a defensive guy. Right. If he goes to Cleveland, he may not initially win over the Beckhams and the Mayfields and stuff like that, but once he gets into camp and once he starts working with the Browns' defensive players, that's where I would say he has a chance to win them over. Yeah. Well, you talked to – I think Stafford has a lot of respect for him mm -hmm. too. So, And he knows how to build a team and has had success of turning teams around because of you know taking over the, the Lions at 0-16 – and eventually getting them to the playoffs. So we'll keep our eye on that, and I'm excited to see what the Browns are going to do um, moving forward. I am too. I'm just a little misty that Urban's not gotten an interview yet, though. It just bums me out. Because he probably turned it down. Probably. Probably. I, I don't know. I don't have that to be true or false. Yeah. I just, he probably turned it down. Now, I have committed an egregious journalism uh, error this morning. I've gone 26 minutes, and I have buried the lead. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations are in order to Mr. Chris Spielman, who, did you know this? On ESPN's list of the top 150 college football players of all time, the gentleman sitting to my left is number 143. Number 143. Now, the National Football Foundation estimates that 5.3 million People have played college football at all levels in the last 150 years. This is part of ESPN's 150-year celebration of college football. Meaning that the odds to be one of the top 150 players are 35,533 to 1. I've always said you're one of a kind. You, uh, you're definitely one of 35,533. Congratulations, man. Did you well, know about it? I just I read about it last night. Actually, somebody tweeted at me. I said, well, I didn't even know what I didn't even know what was yeah. what that was. Uh, so I, I after I got that message, I sent this text to my family. Would you like to hear it? I'm yes, going to share a very yes, personal moment with you. I'm Yes. <laughs> Hello, named 143rd best college football player of all time. I'm embarrassed, and apologies to all of you. Oh, the shame. One response, why not number one? <laughs> <laughs> and my response, well, I wasn't good enough. And I said, I understand your frustration and your anger with me. Please do not tell your friends, especially your boyfriends. <laughs> well, you missed out on the obvious uh, justification for you being 143. <laughs> you could have said, these are the same idiots who voted Urban 46. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's I, I mean, I, I was thinking about it actually this morning. And, um, you know, I, for you know how I've been about awards. I mean, yeah. I, it's nice, but that didn't define me as a player. I think what when I tried to define myself as a player that no matter what the situation and no matter uh, what team I was on, that it was going to get my very best every single day without uh, hesitation or without reservations. I mean, I was going to go in there and try to win that day, whether it was a walkthrough or a meeting or sitting with safeties and going over communication or playing the game. And, and so that's how I want to define myself as a player. And this is purely subjective I can think of a lot of guys that can be on that list that aren't on that list. Uh, I think the top 25, Archie will be on that list. The six, was it six buck guys on there? I think it was six buck guys. Yeah, we'll there. go through the list here. Uh, the top 25 uh, will be revealed on Monday. Yeah. One through 11 will be announced at, I think, halftime of the college football playoff championship game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 12 through 25 will be revealed on the pages of ESPN.com at that same hour. So here's what we know, 26 through 150, 
Deion Sanders is 26. Yeah. So then the first Buckeye after 26 is Eddie George, 38th. Can't argue with Eddie. I mean, he was just a great college running back. I mean, you covered Eddie, so you... Oh, my goodness. You know, Eddie's... As um, tough as they get. Eddie's improvement. You talked about your desire to go out there and yeah. do your best every day. Eddie's improvement from freshman year, goal line touchdown specialist, to junior year, starting tailback, not capable of, as John Cooper used to say, doesn't hit enough home runs. Yeah. He'd break the line, he'd get tackled. To senior year, when he hit lots of grand slams, long touchdown yeah. runs. Um, amazing. So Eddie George, great work ethic, work too. ethic. Yes, I, that's the first thing I think of with Eddie. Eddie, Eddie was, I think Eddie was still playing when I was playing and uh, at the end of my career when I was trying to come back and we were working out together and I just sit there and, you know, well, this guy, I got to I gotta really have a mental toughness to keep up with a guy like Eddie George. So, and, of course, a Heisman Trophy winner and, mm-hmm. and just a really interesting guy, too, who's kind of evolved and a humble guy. Acting. One of the great things yeah. about Eddie is I, when everybody asks me, and many people will say, hey, you've covered Ohio State for 25, 30 years. Who are some of your favorites? Yeah. And I always say, well, first of all, my favorites have very little to do, almost nothing to do with how good of a player they were. My favorites are the guys who were the same guy walking out that yeah. they were walking in. And Eddie George is in yeah, I agree group. with that. He, he is, and uh, good for Eddie. Number number 44 on the list is a guy you and I both absolutely loved from our youth, and many people don't know because he played a long time ago, Jack Tatum. Yeah, just the great well, Jack Tatum. And not only a great college player, I mean, one of the most feared football players Still, in history. When you get guys now talk about who are the most feared guys <laughs> in NFL history, Jack Tatum will be on the list. Jack Tatum not only played the part, he looked the part, but off the field, when I met him for the first time, I was, like, intimidated and just sitting there and talking to him. Just a a great guy, a great player. Uh, the best thing I remember about Jack Tatum was when he hit Earl Campbell on the goal line. It's one of the hardest hits I've ever seen in my life, and I – Remember just as a kid watching him play for the Raiders and just, oh, my gosh, that guy is a beast. Of course, he was involved in that unfortunate incident with Daryl Stingley with the New England Patriots. But you talk about a great football player and a guy that I would be honored to ever line up or be confident if I looked over to the top of the huddle where the safeties usually are and I saw Jack Tatum standing there, we were in good hands. We're in good hands. And uh, speaking of how hard he hit people, you've probably all seen video of the immaculate reception where Frenchie Fuqua gets lit up and the ball ricochets 20 yards back. That was Jack Tatum. He hit him too hard. (laughs) He hit him too hard, exactly. (laughs) Too hard. Because that ball went too far. What a great play by Franco Harris chasing that ball. Yeah, crazy. It's that that has to be the greatest. Play I remember of all watching time. that live, and I just was such a Raider fan because of Jack Tatum. That was just sick. I was too. I oh. hated the Steelers. Maybe that's because of the Browns thing. Here's a good story, an old story about Woody and Jack Tatum. So Jack Tatum's in the super sophomore class, the class that won the national championship in yep. 1968, beat O.J. Simpson in the Rose Bowl. And that class was a loaded class of recruits. They didn't have five stars in that day, but it would have been loaded with five stars. And so Lou Holtz told me this story back when I was writing a story about the 25th anniversary of that team. He said all the defensive coaches, they wanted Tatum so bad. Tatum was a running back in high school. Yeah. And, you know, Woody, he always wanted every oh, yeah. running back he could get. <laughs> and so the defensive coaches schemed, how can we get Tatum on defense? How can we get Tatum on defense? <laughs> that is a great story. So they convinced Woody as when the guys got there to have a, you know, we got guys in high school, they're all two-way guys. Great sure. at this, great at that. So they convince Woody, hey, look, you know, let's have a draft. Let's offense draft guys and defensive dra- defense draft guys, and we'll, you know, then we'll that's where we'll, we'll put it out, on yeah. offense or defense. And they were like, okay, Woody's like, ah, okay. And he, and he said, you know, our defense was bad last year, so defense should get the first pick. And Woody's like, oh, all right. So the defense picked first, and they took Tatum. And Woody, like, turned the tables over. <laughs> I, I, knew you, I knew you'd take Tatum. I knew you'd take Tatum. But he kept Tatum on defense. And, and it's it was a great, great coaching decision. move. And great for Jack's career, too, because obviously he's a Hall of Famer. And uh, just I'm telling you, Bruce, when 
the respect that he has amongst former players, it that's it's a lifelong thing that he earned. And yeah. like young players know who Jack Tatum yep. was. No doubt. 47th on the list, Hop Cassidy, uh, the late Jack Tatum, the late Hop Cassidy. Yeah. Hop just uh, passed away within the past year. Heisman Trophy winner, 1954 National Championship yeah. team, I think. Uh, probably the guy who saved Woody's job. Woody was in trouble, and Hop came along. and Good baseball player, player, too, right? Good baseball when player. He, was he a, didn't he play for the Yankees or no? Did he, he play was, professional uh, baseball? I don't know if he played, but he was with the Yankees and a friend of George yeah. Steinbrenner's for a long time. Steinbrenner was a graduate assistant on Woody's staff, and that's how he got to know Hop Cassidy. Number 51, Orlando Pace. See, out of all those guys, uh, I would think out of all Buckeyes, besides Archie, mm -hmm. the guy that should be in the top 10. Wow, that's a pretty high bar, top for all, 10. Well, I'm going to tell you that Orlando Pace was one of the most dominating offensive linemen in the history of college football. Yeah. And so that's why I say that. All naturally, too. Not You're referring not to Tony. The, not the Tony Mandarich method. I, I, regardless, I think Orlando Pace was as dominating as an offensive football player and an offensive lineman as ever played the game of college football. The play and, with and, Orlando that I'll always remember, and I think many Buckeye fans remember, Joe Montgomery broke a long touchdown run at Iowa. And Joe and Orlando was down. He like cleaned out like two or three yeah. guys on the way down the field. And Joe and Orlando are running into the end zone together. Now, yeah. Now, Joe is not a scat back, but Joe was fast. Yeah. Orlando Pace probably had, what, 80 pounds on Joe Montgomery? 75, 80 oh, pounds? Oh, yeah. And Orlando Pace, was he was a gazelle as a big man. Just The thing wow. about Orlando was he was so nasty and could finish, but off the field. I, I ran into him two years ago, and... Really, the first time I really got a chance to speak with him, one of the nicest guys mm -hmm. I've ever Soft -spoken. met. Soft-spoken? <laughs> boy, he was just vicious. Not a cross That's I, I guess yeah. that's what I would say. I would say 51 is really high for Orlando Pace. I would put him in the top 10. Now, I'm a little bit biased because probably he's a Buckeye. But watching games, I don't think there's been a more – Dominant offensive lineman in college football than Orlando Pace. So. I would say for a panel of 150 coaches, media people who are not Ohio State experts, for an offensive tackle to be 51st speaks to how well. Yeah, I guess that's a positive was. way of looking at it. I yeah. mean, amazing to me that linemen are alignment is that right. high. Um, and then the uh, final. OSU player, and this is a tribute to him too, and I think this he suffers because of the era that he played yeah. in. Is Jim Parker, one forty-one, a tremendous. I believe Woody player. Hayes called him the best player he's ever coached. Yeah. Correct. I think that is accurate. Yeah. So all, all great. It's 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 really cool. Hopefully there'll be more Buckeyes when they un, we know we'll there'll get be one, one more. We'll get one sure. more for sure. And the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner and Archie Griffin, but. Uh, you know, it's good for debate, and it's nice, and it's a fun list. And Should Archie be number one because he's a two-time Heisman Trophy winner? Um, I don't think he'll be number one. I don't think he will be. He would be number one on my list because that's the most coveted award in yeah. college football. The only thing that keeps him from being one, as I try to project forward, is, well, why wouldn't he be one? Is because he didn't have a national championship. Yeah. So maybe somebody who has one or two, somebody who has two uh, – I'm surprised Tebow's 76th. He's Tebow with two That's national too, titles uh, and a first sophomore to win the Heisman. I thought Tebow would be an all-time total yeah. offense leader in the SEC. I thought Tebow would be higher. Now, will Johnny Manziel be in the top 25? Maybe. Or will he be left off? Maybe. I mean, if you're looking at purely from college football, Johnny Manziel was awesome. Yes, he was. 10,000 yards total awesome. offense in two years. I'll tell you one guy that I would be really the most dominant college football player that I watched as a kid, and I'm a, he's older than me, but injuries slowed him down as a pro was Hugh Green when he was at Pitt. I don't think he's on the list. He will be. Well, you think he'll be one of the I think he has to be okay. on the, yeah. Yeah, he finished second in the Heisman. Yeah. Uh, Vince Young, 81. A little surprised Vince he's that high. <laughs> he was a great yeah. college quarterback. He came in here, didn't he? Took well, he care did. of business. Yes, he did. Beat USC. USC. Who else is on that? That's it's Deshaun, funny. These are the guys that I was like just a little, hmm, that's higher than I thought. Deshaun Watson, 101. Yeah, I think that's about right. Okay. And Desmond Howard, 129. I think Desmond. 
I think Charles Woodson will be in that top twenty. Charles Woodson, no, he was he's on this list oh, really? somewhere. Yeah, he. Uh, wow. Uh, but yeah, he was. I think in the forties or fifties. Yeah, so. it's it's cool. I'm. Hey, one forty third. The only thing I can say to you is that I apologize. Here are the linebackers you. that you are behind. Great. Would you like to know that? Yes. I can't let this pass without yes. a little humility <laughs> lesson. Lavar Arrington, it's outside linebacker, different position. Doesn't Junior Seau. Mm, yeah, I've always been behind him. Tommy Nobis. Before my time. Before your time. Mike Singletary. That's debatable. Damn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want winners. Mike Singletary. Uh, he's a good player. Derek Brooks. Yeah, Derek was dominant at Florida State. I can see my being behind him. Yeah. And Woodrow Lowe of Alabama. Full go, Woody Lowe. Four spots. Batman. Ahead. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, Congrats, that's probably man. fair. That's a, that is a tremendous. I got a text last night from my friend Roy, and he said, what an honor that is to be among the top 150 of all time. Yeah, well, that's Congrats. just somebody's opinion. I don't know if it's Well, it's true. many people's opinion because well, it's like a blue ribbon panel of yeah, a ton I of mean, people. It's, it's nice. It's nice. Of course it is. Kids, don't tell your boyfriends because I'll oh, lose all credibility yeah, with you, them. No, 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 no. You, that's that's really good. Good yeah, for That's you. nice. Will Troy Indeed. Smith be on the uh, list? I don't I'm, think I'm so. trying to think who else besides Archie that, you know, we got Eddie, Jack Tatum, Hop Cassidy, Orlando Pace, Jim Parker, Chris Spielman. If we're going to have, we, Archie obviously will be among the top 25. Who else might be among the top 25? Vic Janowitz probably not going to be uh, less horrible. For college football? I'm going, I'm going through our college, I'm yeah. going through our Heisman winners. I could think of a couple Troy, guys. I, I think, think Troy, because of the Fiesta Bowl against Florida, probably will not be in the top 25. I can think of um, two guys that I thought were dominant college football players. Corey Stringer was a dominant. Yeah, I don't think Corey will be a No, I'm not Orlando. saying that. I'm thinking yeah. I have no problem in uh, Big Daddy. Was a dominant defensive lineman hmm. for Ohio I was State. thinking on this list, the only guy that comes to mind readily, and I apologize in advance if I forget someone, which I probably will, Randy Gratishar. Great college player. So was Marcus Merrick. So was Tom yeah. Kuzno. All those guys. There you go. Kuz, number one overall pick, NFL draft. Great player. Kuzno, Randy Gratishar. Tom Kuzno might be. Yeah. But will they put two Ohio State linebackers on there? I don't know. I don't know. I, nice. I I got lucky because I worked at ESPN, so they throw me a bone. <laughs> I'll be interested to know if you get a little plaque or something out of that that you can put in a box and throw in a closet. Because <laughs> that's where all your I, awards go. I can put it on our uh, Spielman and Hooley. <laughs> By the way, right, I brought we'll I brought right your bobbleheads back, I think. So. Oh, my bobble, my Heisman bobbleheads? Yeah, I did. Heisman I know bobbleheads? One broke accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. sorry. That's okay. Probably during a Vikings game. <laughs> All right, two reviews fresh this week to read to you. The uh, good, the bad. Well, like I say, one's the good and one's the ugly. Uh, from International Buckeye, he says, uh, half sports talk, which is great, part pro, part college, and mainly Ohio, but also half religious. I'm not religious, and I wish people would keep their religious views to themselves. I came for sports and not to be converted. You know, that's the second one we've gotten like this, and we respectfully would say we are very happy that you listen to the podcast, and we structure the podcast with the faith portion at the end so that if you're not interested in that, you can hit the off button. That's right. But that's, for us, the priorities are reversed. The faith portion is number one on our priority list, but we understand we have cultivated a sports audience over the years, and so we like to give that audience Um, what they're used to, and maybe, and many of you have affirmed us in the latter part. And the other thing, too, you know, we're not going to impose anything on you. We'll expose it to you. And um, I got news for you. No human can convert another human. That's that is right. So that's not our decision, and we're not trying to convert you. We're exposing to you what I be- what we believe. And if you choose to explore it, you choose to. If you choose not to, you choose not to. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about uh, free will. And you have the opportunity to listen or not listen. And, well, we're... Very happy that you listen to the sports part of it. I'm so happy. And if you choose not to listen, I encourage you maybe to give it one or two more times or just just explore, take a look at what we're talking about. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's not our decision or choice to make. But thanks for listening. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. And uh, also, while you're listening, 
Patronize our friend Trevor Stover at Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway. Treat your family to the best steaks, best burgers, chicken, and pork. And it's all hormone-free, non-GMO. If you saw the scary story on 60 Minutes about the uh, pitfalls of feeding animals antibiotics to get them to grow faster with uh, less food costs, You'll know why it's important to have non-GMO, non-hormone beef, chicken, and pork. You'll find it at Stover Farms Custom Meats. They can process your meat if you have uh, a farm in a, in a steer or a hog and you want to get it processed. And according to your specs, Stover Farms can do that. Stover Farms Custom Meats, online, StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com. And mention the Spielman Hooley podcast and get a nice discount or uh, some bonus added to your order. Another review, and you can review us on iTunes, and we encourage you to do that. From Schlebaugh, he says, listening and enjoying another Spielman Hooley podcast, I began to wonder, what was the difference between Ohio State's targeting call and ejection versus Clemson and the Jadavion Clowney hit on Wentz on Sunday that they said was inadvertent? Sometimes the game is so frustrating, I contemplate never watching it again. Uh, I think the college rules are different a little bit than the NFL rules. Well, but Trevor Lawrence was not a runner. That's the main difference, I would say, is Carson Wentz, when he ran, gave himself You give up all protections yeah. as, as a runner unless you give yourself up Carson Wentz wasn't in the give up position and you don't get ejected from an NFL game if you have helmet to helmet contact you'll get fined and there'll be a penalty but there's no ejection I think the ejection thing is just insane I think that needs to be revisited it's a very punitive penalty The um, I do think that Coaches and players have made a strong, sincere effort to uh, remove the head and try to avoid targeting at all costs. I think we've seen targeting calls go down. I don't have the studies in front of me. I think they've gone down in the NFL, and I believe they've gone down in college football. But in a playoff game, when you take out your nickel corner, who's such an important part of the team in a playoff game because – He's not going there initially to initiate contact with his head because the quarterback, to no fault of his own, is not trying to draw a targeting penalty by lowering his head. It's just coincidental. Well, nobody when people contact. come at you, you yeah, it's flinch. Co- it's coincid- co- coincidental. Excuse me, contact. So I do think that there has to be somebody in that booth that can say, "All right, now we got to determine whether this was." intentional or was unintentional and you think that might be so sub- subjective it is in a way but usually you know it when you see it you know what i mean yeah, you I know think, it when you see it I, certainly sean wades was he was trying to get his head out of the way in my opinion and trevor was not was just lowering to protect himself and it's just an accident that that happened so then you throw out your nickel corner I don't know what the right way to do it is. It makes me a little nervous giving replay officials subjective judgments. Yeah, yeah. Um, They used to do it on face mask, inadvertent, or, you know, now they do it on running into the kicker and personal foul. Uh, So I don't know. I do think maybe, for instance, in the Oklahoma Oklahoma game, uh, was it Bradley Hiles? That was an ejectable targeting. He launched, went after yeah. guys, a dirty play. Throw him out. You know it when you see it. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, like Christian McCaffrey got pounded at Wisconsin. I don't necessarily think it was intentional, but it was so violent, I had no problem with that Wisconsin kid being tossed. So, Christian McCaffrey? Uh, Dylan McCaffrey. Okay. His brother. So here's that, that your start your guy that's going to be the savior of Michigan that you've been <laughs> that you've hardly. been praising. No, he's a he's o- okay. A, he's a humble figurine. Should he, should he, he's not going to last. Should he me. have started over Shea Patterson? I want you to admit yes. that you were wrong. You're get out of here. Shea Patterson's horrible. Shea they, Shea Patterson won some games for Michigan. No, Michigan won some games for Michigan. Okay, they won the eight so games. So Shea Patterson. So you're win. telling me Dylan McCaffrey was better than Shea Patterson? They, Dylan McCaffrey That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Give can't be disproven. <laughs> can't be disproven. That's true. I'm sticking to it. It's true. <laughs> Next year it will be disproven, most likely. Uh you could 
you could do a fifteen yards. Doesn't seem like enough for a first offense. How about a uh, eject them for the rest of the quarter, or, rest of the yeah, half, or or series? Do you you have to miss the nah, next series? Isn't enough. I would say minimum a quarter. For what Sean offense, Wade did, it was late in the quarter. So you know, it's three minutes. Okay. He's out. Uh, so then. A quarter. I can live with a quarter. A quarter. Second offense, a half. Third offense, a game. Yeah, I can. Not, I actually, se- I don't know. Second offense seems like it depends. Like I, I think their agenda is to introduce safety to the game, and so I, I think they're going to say tough noogies. If it's a tough penalty, tough. We want that out of the game. But there are some that are unavoidable, and I would say the Wade one was as close to unavoidable as you can get. Yeah. There's nothing he could could have done. I guess the only thing he could have done, and it's so hard to do because it's so unnatural. And when I talk to kids or do my football camp up in Maslin, I try to tell them to hit with their eyes. So even though if you do make helmet to helmet, at least you're making helmet contact with your face. Yeah, because they talk crown of the helmet yeah. is bad. So if you got your head down, yeah, which is and also dangerous. So if yeah, you can Ryan almost Chazier, very yeah, dangerous. yeah. Uh, but anyway, if you can hit with your face mask, at least an official can see or might not pull that flag on that. I think that, you got a good chance of uh, not being flagged for that if you yeah. see if you see what you hit. And you've said that as long as I've known you. Yeah. Hit what you see, see what you hit. And thank you, Frank Gans. Uh, more from Schleybaugh's review because he asks a good question that will transition us into the face side. He says, on the face side, I'm very careful to keep my political views to myself but they are different than 95% of the people I'm in contact with. There seems to be so much hate and anger in the world, and if I disagree with an opinion, I, I'm i immediately degraded or made the butt of a joke. I try to be kind and love people that spew these things and are just angry with everything. Some days I get very depressed. I love the Lord and read the Bible every day. A lot of haters also do. Advice. That's a good question and a tough question. Uh, I... I've been in some political conversations, and the rule that I try to do is I don't lecture people. I think a good rule is to always listen and to talk to people and not over people. And the one thing I try to do is is try to understand or say, okay, I understand that point. I can see that, but I look at it this way also. And so I get where he's coming from and it can be very frustrating it's hard to watch sometimes because you you know you have such strong beliefs and the other side has strong beliefs so i try to respect those beliefs and i do think uh that the good rule of thumb is if somebody's talking to you let them talk to you and i always tell my kids this and i tell everybody this that when you're having conversations if you can keep emotion out of the conversation uh, and not get all worked up and frantic and all that, then you can get somewhere with people Mm -hmm. and then have a a legitimate conversation. And I always tell myself and whoever I'm talking to or advising, take in the information that people are giving you, think about it, and it may work for you, it may not work for you. But don't automatically dismiss somebody right off the get-go, because there's a lot of great ideas that come from both sides. And just talk to each other and don't talk over each other. So that would be, but don't be afraid to, uh, you know, stick up for your your standards or your values or what you believe in, but you can stand strong and firm in a respectful manner. And even if somebody comes at you, uh, the best thing is don't get emotional and say, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. And I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with me and here are my thoughts and if we'd like to talk about it again i would love to i think think if you kill people with kindness that you get a lot further than arguing and unfortunately we don't have an institution right now that sets a very good example of that and so it's it's constant who can who can get a shot and Mm -hmm. i'll i'll be also i'll also uh, be very honest with you how the news is presented, you know, it's no secret that I'm a conservative person and I'll watch Fox News. Uh, I'll watch some of the other news networks at times. Um, but the news is presented like this. Uh, Nancy Pelosi slams Donald Trump. Yeah. 
if indeed true, she is slamming uh, Devin Nunes. Yeah, and or a bombshell has just hit on the Trump campaign. <laughs> you know, I mean, so inciting is part of what sells. So yeah. you have to be able, and I, you know, I get frustrated like everybody else. You have to be able to discern what they're saying and and what they're trying to say. For this example, this this uh, the biggest thing is this War Powers Act. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. this. That yes. was just passed. Related and to the so, strike that killed Soleimani. Yeah, so I'm reading, I'm reading all the articles on this, right? Congress has moved... And all the headlines. Yeah, to try to limit President Trump from exercising the kinds of power that he exercised when he ordered the strike. So the Soleimani. headlines are all saying, you know, limiting War Powers Act. What, you know, the president's hands are tied. Mm. And all these things that... And what they don't mention, or if they do mention it, it's the last sentence. It's non-binding. Yeah. Well, the Senate can veto it, or Trump can veto it. But it's it, so. but it's non-binding. Yeah, it's it non-binding. doesn't matter. Right. right. It, you, here, here's a piece of paper. Stop doing this. Okay. Well, here I can use I can this. Ignore and play it, or basketball. I can listen to it. Yeah. So I mean, but nobody says that. Right. I will say you gave a lot of great biblical advice there, um, which I will try to unpack piece by piece. I was taking some notes during it. Um, but first, I want to preface it by saying in your assessment of the current state of journalism, having made that my profession, I may have said this before, but I'll underscore it because I think it's appropriate right now. Um, on both sides of the aisle, uh, the biggest difference in journalism that I see from the time that I got into it after graduating from Ohio State around 1980 to now, and you think about how journalism has advanced. Newspapers were king. The money was flowing in. Now we have... Uh, News at our fingertips, as Chris is checking his phone right now, you can get any news update you want. You get notified when something happens, tornadoes coming, whatever. Digital advances. The Internet was not part of the equation when I was in school. It is now. It runs our lives. Email was not part of the equation when I was in school. So that gives you an instance of what the technological advances have been on the journalism side. I say all that because that's not the biggest change in journalism the accessibility of news, the prevalence of news. The biggest change in journalism is that journalism is no longer what it was when I got into it, which was um, even-handed reporting, fair reporting, and allow the people to decide. The biggest change in news media is not the technological advances. The biggest change is advocacy. Everything is advocacy. On the political side, on the sports side, everywhere. There's very little... That's a great point. Normalized reporting. Here are the facts you decide. When I was at the plane dealer, you, I could not inject opinion in anything I wrote anywhere. Now, I, and I'm not saying, personally, I think it's bad, but I'm just saying now peop, all reporters are encouraged and certainly not stopped from injecting opinion. Okay, so that's how I preface my comments. So a couple of the things that you said, I think you gave good biblical advice because you said listen to people. That reminds me of the scripture from Paul. As much as is possible, live at peace with everyone. Yeah. Listening makes it possible to live at peace with people. You said, uh, tell them how you feel. Tell them what your position is. That reminds me of the scripture, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And when I give a political opinion, I tell people why. You used to always say, don't just know what you believe, know why, why you, you believe, believe it. it. Yeah. I tell people why I believe what I believe politically, and it's based in the prism through which I try to view everything in my life, the Bible, the Word of God, the truth of God. I try to base everything in my life on truth, on biblical truth. Uh, You also said, be calm, don't let the emotion. I think that's such a great piece of advice in that Proverbs says a gentle answer turns away wrath. And so you don't need to ratchet up the anger of the argument. Now, I will say, you know, Schleyball, there are some things— on which I will never be able to be at complete peace with someone. For instance, um, I am very pro-life. I believe that is a Christian position. I believe that is a godly position, as is Chris. Yeah. I will never be able to reach an accord with someone who is pro-abortion. Uh, I will tell them why I believe that is an incorrect position, why I think it's wrong from a godly perspective, Um, And so I will never be able to come to agreement with someone, but I can be there. I can still be there. I can still be their friend. I can still interact with them. But on that issue, I will never reach an accord. Yeah, that's a non-compromising issue. Nor will I ever vote for a politician who is not pro-life, ever. 
never yeah. ever will I because and here's why not because I I mean I do think it's the right position to be pro-life I believe it's the right position to be pro-life because God is pro-life yeah God is pro-life and while I fully intend to someday have to give an answer sure. for everything that I have done in life That's I don't think he's going to answer I don't think he's going to ask me what my policy was on the Trans-Pacific Partnership or on the War Powers Act. But if I don't defend innocent unborn children, I expect to be held accountable on that. And so that's why I have the position that I have. So those are how I frame my political it's very interesting interactions. That you with say people. that in, in, about political interactions. There is one issue that I will never compromise, and, and that's pro-life. I, I I can't because I have to answer one day, and I'm 100% confident that I, I will answer one day. I can compromise on every other political issue that there is in our country, from taxes to uh, uh, whether you go into um, war, not war, War Powers Act, I can have some compromise on that. There's every issue out there in, in the political realm that I would certainly take pride in being able to compromise. Yeah, there may be room for You movement. have to be able to compromise. Yeah. You have to be able to negotiate. If you don't, you're always going to be at war. And there's ways to do it, and I think how you do it, uh, it can be a lot more successful. How we're doing it now as a country does not work. It's not working. Uh, you, you can't expect to do everything through executive action because it's, it's not going to work and it's not going to sustain. So, But um, for me, I think you're absolutely right, Bruce, that the one issue that can never be compromised because uh, we're talking about I think uh, eternity here is is the life issue for you and I. That's where we stand. If somebody else has a different opinion, you certainly have free will and free choice. That does not mean that I want you to die or want to punch you in the head. It doesn't. It uh, And I can still be your friend and I can still interact with you and still work with you and, and, and be able to to uh, accomplish things together, but I'm not compromising that one position. Everything else to me, and I think it should be, is open to some sort of compromise. It has to be. There has to be some type of unity to be able to achieve what we want to achieve, uh, not only in our uh, relationship, but as a country, there's got to be some type of unity. And you talk about relationship, and that is what being saved is all about, is having that relationship, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And God is very clear in the Word of God that His relationship with you begins while before you are in the womb. He knows you before then. He knows everything about you because He's your Creator. And uh, so that is why that life in the womb is a life to me, because His Word says it is, and that's the final authority, and that is all I need to know, and that is why my position is what my position well, is. Speaking of agreeing and disagreeing, uh, I agree with some of the things Pope Francis says, and I disagree with some of the things Pope Francis says. Uh, today, I will share something that I agree with. So, okay. what can we learn in a relationship? You're talking about a, la- a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do we learn? So, in worship, we learn to reject which should not be worshipped. The God of money, the God of consumerism, the God of pleasure, the God of success, and the God of self. Because you think about that, and it's not saying, you know, you can't make money or all that. That just can't be your priority and everything and above drive everything. every above everything else. Serve self. I mean, self-serving people may enjoy something that's temporary, but it is fleeting, and it will be gone forever. And so when you worship God or when you have something bigger than yourself and you're serving something bigger than yourself, you know what happens? You'll one day turn around, and you'll see all these people that have been serving you your whole life. Mm -hmm. And so I hope somebody will realize that. And, And it's not saying don't be a driven person, don't be motivated, but understand and keep God first everything else will fall in line naturally. This I promise. How do I know that? I lived it. Absolutely. Um, Always great to get with you. Nice to have you here on a Friday. That's uh, a rare treat. 
For you, yes, for it me, is. yes. Do you, you enjoy your little drive out into the country? Yeah. For me, it's a pain yeah. in the rear end. Yeah. But hey, anything for the CEO of the podcast. It's great to have you here. Uh, remember, <laughs> enter the uh, couples membership to premiere at Sawmill, SpielmanandHooley.com. It's going to be your final weekend to do that. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a recap of the NFL divisional round, Buckeyes at Indiana. So uh, that's my challenge tomorrow from noon to two. And. You can pray for me that I handle that challenge. You can pray for Spiels during the Vikings game. I'll be on a treadmill. We'll let you know on Monday how we do it. Be like a gerbil on a wheel. Everybody have a great weekend.